0: You know, the other day, a very simple but profound truth occurred to me for the first time, and I don't know why it didn't occur to me sooner, but nonetheless, it didn't. And that is, is that our God is absolutely stuffed, completely full of joy, and He has to be that way. When you look at, uh, when you think about it, you look at Galatians chapter five, verses twenty-two through twenty-three. And it tells us that as one of the fruits of the Spirit is joy. And if that is one of the characteristics of what it means to be God-like, then certainly God has to be full of it. He is a God that is full of joy. And you can probably guess what, uh, what happened next. It was the quiet voice of the Holy Spirit and, uh, in my head, and I heard... Well, Lou, I'm full of joy. How about you? Well, <laughs> and I've never really been a real good Holy Spirit, but uh, I want to ask you the same question this morning, and that is, is how are you doing in the joy department? You see, I'm afraid that the, and the answer to that question for many Christians was summarized by C.S. Lewis in this statement. He said... We are half-hearted creatures fooling around with drink and sex and ambition when infinite joy is offered us, like an ignorant child who wants to go on making mud pies in a slum because he can't imagine what is meant by the offer of a holiday at sea. We are far too easily pleased. Now fortunately in the scripture we have a number of people who experience the unspeakable joy that is available to us as children of God. And equally fortunate, they give us clues as to how we too can experience that joy. And one of these people was David. He had found the secret of joy. And in fact, at the end of Psalm 16, in verse 11, he makes this statement. He says, In thy presence, is fullness of joy, in thy right hand there are pleasures forever. You see, David's actual experience was was that joy is found in the presence of the Lord. And the joy that David had found in the Lord's presence, it was a huge joy. It was massive joy. And with that in view, the big idea of today's message is this that overflowing joy is found by dwelling in God's presence. And this morning, I want to explore Psalm 16. And in particular, I want to look at, number one, what did this overwhelming joy look like? And secondly, what steps can we take to begin to experience God's presence and as a result of that, begin to know that overflowing joy. Turn with me to Psalm 16 and read along with me. And if you don't have a Bible, you'll find if you look in the seat pockets in front of you that you'll find a Bible there. So turn to Psalm 16 and let me read it. David says, Preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in thee. I said to the Lord, Thou art my Lord, I have no good besides thee. As for the saints who are in the earth, they are the majestic ones in whom is all my delight. The sorrows of those who have bartered for another God will be multiplied. I shall not pour out their libations of blood, nor shall I take their name upon my lips. The Lord is my portion and my inheritance, my cup. Thou dost support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. I will bless the Lord who has counseled me. Indeed, my mind instructs me in the night. I have set the Lord continually before me. Because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. For thou will not abandon my soul to Sheol, and neither will thou allow thy Holy One to undergo decay. Thou will make known to me the paths of life, in thy presence is fullness of joy. In thy right hand are pleasures forevermore. First of all, let's look at a description of what overflowing joy looks like, and it's in verse 11. So, what is biblical joy? The Hebrew word here comes from the word which means to shine or to be bright. And the idea expressed in this word is. The shining of a person's face when they're full of joy. Have you ever met somebody where when you go up to them and you talk to them, you look at them and they're just full of joy. Their face is radiated. It's like it kind of pours out their pores all over you. Have You ever met people like that? Well, that's the kind of joy that David is talking about there. You can see it in their countenance. And this is the kind of joy that is available to all of us as we dwell in the presence of the Lord. Now let's look at two pictures that David gives us in verse 11 of what this joy looks like as we dwell in God's presence. The first picture, David says, is that there is fullness of joy. And this word fullness means to be stuffed. You remember what it was like last Thanksgiving? You went to Thanksgiving and they had all these piles of great food all over the place and you're sitting there, and you enjoy it, and you take it, and you get done with the meal, and you're just like, yeah, that was good, and you're stuffed full. Well, see, that's the kind of joy that is available to us in the Lord as we dwell in His presence. It means, David says, that we can be stuffed full of joy to the point of that kind of satisfaction. And the second picture that David describes this joy is, he says, in thy right hand there are pleasures forever. And this word pleasures expresses the idea of delight. It's it's the idea of sitting down in your favorite chair and relaxing and just listening to music that you love. And you just kind of go, ah, boy, is that good. For me, it's the It's going to the the beach and watching a beautiful sunset with my wife and just enjoying that. You see, what it is, is it's a quiet, peaceful, restful kind of a joy that is available also. You see, now putting these two ideas together, the joy that is available to us is both a shimmering, gleeful joy, But it's also a peaceful, restful bliss. It's both of those things that are available as we dwell in God's presence. Now, having looked at this description of joy, let's explore how we can dwell in the Lord's presence and begin to experience this joy. Now, ultimately, the the greatest joy that we will ever know is when we have that blessed experience of going before the Lord and seeing Him face to face. And we know that when that time happens, we will be filled with joy unspeakable. What a great time that will be. But we can also experience a delicious sampling of that joy here on this earth. You see, God desires to us to experience that as we have a relationship with him. And when you look at this psalm, David's exclamation about joy occurs at the very end of the psalm in verse 11. And it's almost like it's a it's kind of a it's an exclamation point. It's a almost a summation of the of what goes on in the whole rest of that psalm. And the rest of that psalm, leading up to that exclamation point, gives us three important practices that lead to experience God's presence and thus His joy. And I want to look at those three practices. The first practice that he brings out is in verse 2, when David says, I said to the Lord, Thou art my Lord, I have no good besides Thee. And in particular, notice that David said to God, he said, you're my Lord. You're my Lord. And this is the first important practice to make God Lord in your life. And this word Lord, it means to be controller or to be ruler in your life. And see, David is affirming that in his life, God is the one who calls the shots. That God is the one who is the king, and he is the one who is along for the ride. Now bringing this to where you and I live, is the Lord king in your life? Is every area of your life that you are aware of yielded to him? Is there any sin that you refuse to forsake? Do you allow him to rule in your schedule and in what you do during the week. You see, these are some of the the many hard questions that are involved in lordship. And it's interesting to note the verse before it. Look at verse 1. He says, preserve me, O God, for I take refuge in thee. You see, David was in trouble. He was in trouble here. And we don't know exactly what that trouble was, but evidently David was fearful for his life. And he thought that he was going to be gone. And how often the Lord uses trouble and trials to, bring, us to our, bring to our attention that he is not Lord in an area of our lives. And trials are not always the reason. They don't always come for that reason. But I think it's hard to miss the connection in this psalm between trouble and trials in God's lordship in our lives. And if you're in the midst of a trial today, ask the Lord to reveal to you if there's any area of your life that needs to be receive His lordship. And He'll show you if there's such an area. And it will frequently happen while you're spending time in the Word. You'll be reading in the Scripture, and all of a sudden this verse will just jump out at you. Okay, So watch for those things, and allow Him to show you if there's an area where you need to allow Him to be Lord. And then make Him Lord over every area of your life. Now why is making God Lord of your life so important to this practice of experiencing joy? Look at verse 2 again. David says, I said to the Lord, Thou art my God, I have no good besides Thee. Notice that right after David declares that God is Lord in his life, he says, I have no good besides you, Lord. And in essence, he is telling God that He is the most enjoyable thing. He's the best thing in all of life. And yes, there is a connection. The doorway to joy in the Lord, to realizing that God Himself is the most enjoyable thing in all of creation is the door of making him lord you've got to do that before you can really know that joy and allowing god to be lord in your life leads to the stunning realization that he himself is the best thing so you see lordship in the deepest sense Involves brokenness, which leads to that realization. And the sweet fragrance of joy has its roots in brokenness and the lordship of God in yours and my life. Now let's move on and look at the second important practice that leads to experiencing God's presence in His joy. And this second practice is found in, the, in verses 5 and 6, and it's to delight yourself in your inheritance. Look with me at verses 5 and 6. David says, The Lord is the portion of my inheritance and my cup. Thou dost support my lot. The lines have fallen to me in pleasant places. Indeed, my heritage is beautiful to me. In these two verses, David is using an analogy To make a very, very important point. Uh, In the Jewish culture, when your parents died, the family belongings were divided up and they were passed on within the family, and this was called the inheritance. And frequently, the most important part of this inheritance was the family land. And David is using this land analogy here, and he is essentially saying that knowing the Lord is the most precious inheritance. The most precious land that he will ever receive. And in verse 6, David is saying that when he looks at that inheritance, that inheritance being the Lord Himself, David finds it delightful and beautiful. And that word beautiful in the Hebrew, it literally means that it glistens. You see, to David, his relationship with the Lord was like a beautiful diamond in the way that it sparkled. It was beautiful in all of its beauty. And the Apostle Paul echoes much of what David says here in some of his thinking. If you look at Romans chapter 8, 16, and 17, and I'll put it up here on the screen, David says this, he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And if children, heirs also. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. There's that inheritance word. And you see, the stunning reality of our position in Christ is that God not only saved us from eternal condemnation, which we all richly deserve, but then He adopted us as His very own kids. You see, we are now His, and He is ours. And if that were not enough, also notice in these verses what He says That we are fellow heirs with Christ. Well, Christ is the maker and sustainer of all things. And all things will be put into subjection under His feet. So guess what? We're going to be co-owners of everything. All of creation. That is stunning. That is stunning. You see, as you begin to understand your inheritance, the light will go on you will begin to grasp how vast God's love is for us. And God literally went to unbelievable lengths to make it clear how much He really loves you and I. And as you begin to daily live and enjoy that love, what happens is the joy just begins to start leaking out all over the place. That's that overflowing joy. So, so far we've looked at two out of the three very important points, the important practices that lead to experiencing that joy. First of all, making God Lord in your life. And secondly, delighting yourself in that inheritance. Now let's move on and look at the third important practice that leads to experiencing God's presence and joy. And that discipline is to practice His presence continually. Look with me at verses 8 and 9. David says, I have set the Lord continually before me. Because He is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will dwell securely. Notice what David did. He said that he set the Lord before him continually. And in the Hebrew, this word to set, it means to level. And the idea is that David set the Lord before him so he could look him right square in the eye. That's what he did. That's what he did. And you see, David had a personal, very intimate relationship with the Lord. And notice, too, that he did it as an act of his will. He decided that he was going to seek the Lord, and he did just that. This relationship wasn't an accident. God initiated it, but David was the one who made the effort to make it happen. And also notice that David did it continually. Drawing near to the Lord wasn't a once a day, I'm going to draw to the Lord and get near to Him, and now let's get on with the rest of the day. It wasn't that type of thing. It was something that he practiced the whole day long. So in everyday life, how do we do this? The key is to realize that God is right there with you. And then to hold a running conversation with him all day long. You see, in Matthew 28, verse 20, Jesus promises his disciples, he says, And lo, I'm with you always, even till the end of the age. And then in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5, we learn that God says, He himself, God has said, I will never desert you, nor will I ever forsake you. You see, God's always there. And our problem is, is that we get so tied up in all of the everyday goings on and all the stuff that's coming down the pike, we forget that. We kind of forget about that. And God is, is still there, but we forget. So what do we do? When you're at work, talk to him. Talk to him about the presentation that you have to give. Talk to him about the people there that are driving you nuts. Talk to him about all the work that you've got to get done. When you're at school, talk to him about that test that you're taking. You probably do that anyway, right? Talk to him about what the teacher is saying. Talk to them about your friends that you're going to see. When you're at home, talk to him about the work that you have to get done. Talk to him while you wash the dishes or do the chores or whatever you have to do. Wherever you are, enjoy his presence. And maintain a running conversation with him as you go throughout the day because he's there with you. He's there with you. This is called practicing the presence of the Lord. And notice what David said is the result of practicing the presence of the Lord. Look at it. He says, because he is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh will also dwell securely. You see, the result of practicing the presence of God is joy. You see, the result is peace. The result is security. So we arrive back at the question that the Lord posed to me, and I pose to you. How are you doing in the joy department? And you know, regardless of your answer to that question, This week, I want to challenge you to try the three practices which we looked at this morning. First of all, make God the Lord in your life. Make Him Lord in every area of your life. And make sure that He stays Lord in your life. Secondly, delight yourself in His presence. Look at Ephesians chapter 1. And just be amazed at everything that God has done for us in Christ and how much He loves us. And just enjoy it. Enjoy that inheritance. And also, practice His presence continually as you walk through each of the activities that you go through during your week. You see, these three things lead us to the experience of God's presence in a very real way, and thus, we begin to experience joy. Now, will that joy come right away, just like that? Bang, you got joy? Maybe, maybe not. But I will tell you this, as you dwell in the Lord's presence, and you continue to do that, the joy will build. The joy will build then the more time you spend in His presence, the more that joy will build and begin to overflow. In closing, from his own experience, the great preacher Charles Spurgeon put it this way. He said this, he said, one hour with Christ is worth an eternity of all earth's joys. And communion with Him is the best, the surest, the most ecstatic foretaste of the joy of heaven. Let's pray. Lord, we, we thank You that You are a joyful being. We thank You that as we draw near to You and remain in Your presence, fellowshipping with You, that we are filled with that same overflowing joy. Lord, give us your grace that we might learn to abide in your presence all day long and be stuffed full, Lord, overflowing with your joy. We ask this so that you would be glorified in us and that people who don't know you would taste your joy in us and desire to know you, the God of all joy. And we ask this for your sake, in Jesus' name, amen.